What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And guess who's back? Back again. Discord, Discord decides. decides. Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was better. <laughs> what, you, what you said was better. I don't, I'm not sure if that's correct, but I did say it with confidence, so maybe it just came off. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, the amount of syllables that you fit into that is matched much more than the <laughs> 17 I was trying to fit into, into that one space. But yeah, it's Discord Decides time. Mm-hmm. And this time we decided to do a theme dedicated to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. But kind, kind of. I mean, it kind of is like it, lowest yeah. of key. Yeah. I was trying to. I wasn't, tr- I w- was leaning towards a theme that tied into my birthday. And this one ended up being a little bit more neutral than what I was originally thinking. Was originally, I was going to pick three movies that I wanted to cover and say, you guys can pick from one of these three <laughs> movies, but they're going to be all movies that I just wanted to talk about. And then I decided, you know what? That's a bit much. So instead, we did movies that turn 30 this year because my 30th birthday just passed. Mm-hmm, true. And although my 30th was last year, we'll just tentatively say that this is the 30th year for the homies as well. Yes, for both the homies. To be fair, you could have thrown something on last year, but you didn't. Want, you didn't. Okay, all right. Sorry, I didn't want to leave you out of the equation <laughs> in that one, but... I see how it is now, Erica. Nah, it's all good. It's all nah, good. No, <laughs> no. This is a joint type of situation. Because, I mean, your birthday is towards the latter half of the year. So yeah, yeah, you're not too yeah. far off from these movies that are turning 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, here's the thing, all right? It's not about me. Because uh-huh. you just had your birthday, which also, happy birthday. Thank I mean, so belated much. at this point, but still, happy podcast on on the air happy birthday to you thank you appreciate Uh, you appreciate you (laughs) if you would uh like to hear the story of what erica did on her birthday uh perhaps tune into our stream today yeah come shameless plug come through to the stream because i'll probably be discussing all of my birthday nanigans on there (laughs) so yeah if you'd like to hear that then yes come watch us do that and play spooky games tonight Mm -hmm. on twitch link in our social media bio But yes, like I said, we chose movies that turned 30 this year, which it was interesting because there was a a couple of movies where you went, oh, those are the big boys. Mm -hmm. Those were the 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 giants of the year. And then there was a lot that like I know you had not ever heard of and there was a couple on there that i (laughs) these titles in my life i was like yeah what was the year 93 (laughs) what came out this year there was a couple on there that i also had not ever heard of there were a few that i've heard of in passing there was a few that i've actually seen but then there was a good amount where i thought 
that didn't make it past the year 93. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was both the birth and death of this year. Uh, I'm sure there are some fans out there, but we were just not quite sure about those ones. So we instead decided to go for the big the big hits. It, it, also, just to be fair, but it's, it's hard sometimes to put a very, very well-known movie against a movie that most people have probably never heard of. Yeah. Because it's like, how do you vote? against those you're most likely gonna lean towards the one that you've at least heard about unless you're just interested in the other one but it just didn't feel fair to put uh like hocus pocus against you know man's best friend or whatever Mm -hmm. that killer dog movie that i that i sent you i don't know could have been a winner who knows we should have put that one up to a vote who knows uh but needless to say we decided to go our three heavy hitters, Hocus Pocus, Leprechaun, and then one that was a little bit out of left field, but we thought worked just enough to fit, uh, Jurassic Park, which, if you read the title of the episode, <laughs> ended up being the winner by a landslide, landslide bro. yeah. I mean, at first, it was kind of like tippy toes. And then I don't know what happened overnight, but everybody just fully shifted to the other side of the ship uh, Mm -hmm. and went straight for Jurassic Park, which I think I understand. I I get it because I feel like outside of this Discord decides, unless someone like really championed for us to cover this movie, it probably wouldn't have. Right. It probably would have ended up on the show just because it is tiptoeing that line of like our niche. You know what I mean? That's that's very true. Yeah, I, I think that there are certain movies where when we put them in Discord aside, it makes sense that people jump on them because there is that chance that we might never cover it. And yeah, I think Jurassic Park definitely teeters on that line because I do think that in some regard you could maybe make a make an argument that this is a monster movie, mm-hmm. but I don't think so it it's it definitely falls more into the um sci-fi adventure i think wheelhouse yeah, for like me action, action, action adventure thriller ish not even really thriller but like it's got thriller elements to it yeah. with some of these uh dinosaurs but right. i mean i see the monster movie argument actually and mm-hmm. if i was forced to do it I think in ways I could fight to say how this in some ways can be a bit of a horror movie, not, you know, fully to the definition of a horror movie by any means, but like it's got enough of the elements in there. And I think a scared enough of us, at least in our age group when we were younger, mm-hmm. that one could argue one way or the other on this one. Yeah, this is definitely like the the nature versus man type of horror movie mm-hmm. that is very similar to Jaws, also directed by Steven Spielberg, also adapted from a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it leans very much into that where it's like a, a man or um, a natural monster. It's not man-made or created through some horrible genetic testing in a lab. Um, it's it's more of like a when a, when creatures attack and like frogs or things like that, yeah. which I mean is is still a subsidiary, I think, of monster movies, just a little bit of a different true. Type. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing with Jurassic Park and like movies similar to it and why they don't like really fall under the horror umbrella 
is just the sheer sense of adventure that comes with these kinds of yeah. movies and like that whimsical feeling that's attached to this. Um, I think that's what really keeps it out of the uh, box of horrors and terrors and leans more into like child friendly, even though there is some like gruesome stuff happening in Jurassic Park, which we'll get to when we talk to it um, in spoilers. But like some stuff happens, people die, there's blood, there's gore. There is. And it's so funny you just mentioning that because I remember as a kid thinking Jurassic Park was a horror movie because the images, the imagery, the deaths in it, that's what stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now that I'm older, I'm always struck by how much of a light tone this movie does really have. For the things that are going on in it, it actually has a pretty comedic, whimsical, we're on an adventure (laughs) like Mm -hmm. tone at times that is in such juxtaposition to some of the crazy wild deaths that are occurring behind the scenes in Mm -hmm. this in this on this island but yeah i guess that also just has to do with age because yeah when i was younger this to me was a tried and true like horror fest just because of what stuck in my brain but nowadays i think of this as much more of an adventure yeah um but which is not to say that it's still horrifying some of the things that happen to these people because it definitely is but the tone of it is just always strikes me as so light in comparison to the way that i remember it at times um but i guess that being said that kind of leads us into our scare scale mm-hmm. which uh, on a scale of one to five five being the scariest and one being not scary at all I am trying to figure out where I think this movie lies because mm-hmm. I'm trying not to think of like young Erica's right. point of this. I'm trying to think of now <laughs> as an adult, if I were to watch this movie for the first time, I, I mean, I I feel like I would go for me personally, I would say like a one and a half. Um, yeah. And that's going on the adult scale. Cause I feel like, especially for you listening, um you're probably not at the age where this film is going to scare you um so i think despite all the little disclaimers before for the most part this is a very light film that does have some dark-ish moments that depending Mm -hmm. on your age and like how susceptible you are to this kind of stuff might spook you a little bit but for the majority of it it's really light um i will say like if you're watching this with kids and they haven't been introduced to a lot of like terrifying stuff yet they may get a little spooked but overall it's not too too bad i yeah you know what i'm gonna ride with you there i I think i'm about the same yeah there's not anything that's super out of left field i guess you'll say there's in anything that is maybe a little bit on the spookier side, a little dark, a little gruesome, is complete is like immediately followed up by something that's pretty, <laughs> pretty lighthearted. Yeah. And so, or at least a never, one-liner or something. Yeah, something where it almost just doesn't feel like there's danger, even though there is. Mm-hmm. It 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 really teeters on that line of kind of not feeling too dangerous despite there being an imminent danger across the board. So yeah, it's not I maybe the ideas that get covered on in this film are a little bit spooky, but I think overall it's not scary and I would even grant, go as far as to say that I think the follow-ups to it 2 and 3 are scarier than mm. this get darker than this movie yeah. uh, ever ever gets. So I feel that. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, 
is about that time, homies. So we are entering into spoiler territory, and you have been warned. But today, we're talking about Jurassic Park, this film from 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg, with a screenplay by Michael Crichton and David Cope, based on the novel by Michael Crichton of the same name, starring Sam Neill as Grant, Laura Dern as Ellie, Joseph Mazzello as Tim, Ariana Richards as Lex, Jeff Goldblum as Malcolm, and Richard Attenborough as Mr. Hammond. John Hammond and his team have done the impossible. Through the power of science and money, they have populated a remote island with living, breathing dinosaurs. This is Jurassic Park. And after a safety incident has investors worried, Mr. Hammond invites four professionals and his two grandchildren to take a tour of the island. But when a shady employee and a freak thunderstorm knock out the security measures, there may not be much left for the investors to fund. Insert destructive dinosaurs, shirtless gold blooms, and big I don't want to be a dad energy here. Our film concludes with Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler helping Hammond bring his children to safety. Will they manage to escape the island? Or is it feeding time for Hammond's prehistoric pets? Also, hold on to your butts. Roll credits. Uh, you know what? Something that I love about this movie and I love about movies in general. What's that? When someone has a cigarette just dangling on their <laughs> lips the whole time they're talking. Just absolutely dangling. Yeah. And can I just say that I went into this movie, because it's been a little bit since I've seen Jurassic Park, but I went into okay. this movie very excited to see Baby Goldblum. And boy, oh boy, was I surprised to see semi-baby Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Two babies for the price of one. Crazy. Um, I don't know how I forgot yes. that he was in this movie, but I completely blanked out that he was in here. The main reason that I remember that he's in here, because to be to give you credit, I do think it's slightly easy to maybe forget his role in this because there's so much going on in this movie and there's so many extra people who kind of play moving parts in this that I think it's easy to maybe forget like this person or this person mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot. And so Samuel L. Jackson's character is important, but I think is the one character where I, I could see you maybe forgetting his role in it because he's kind of there as the middle ground. Once we lose um, what's his face, Ned. Or oh, oh God. Uh, like nerdy, Dennis. Nettie? Dennis, Dennis. We'll yeah, call him I think Dennis. it's like I think it's Dennis Nedry. Nedry, that's is. his last name. Yeah, we but just like, call him Dennis. Once we lose him, I I think that that's when we get Samuel L. Jackson's character to kind of become that like in between where it's like, okay, now I kind of have to help things move along until we figure out where we're going from here. Yeah. Um, but the only reason that I remember him so much is I used to think it was fucking hilarious. Like, I, I don't anymore. And I don't know what was wrong with me when I was younger. But because it used to crack me up. Like, 
I would be in hysterics every time that scene came where his hand falls onto <laughs> oh. Ellie's shoulder <laughs> and she goes, oh, thank God. Uh. And she like <laughs> pulls away and it's just his severed arm. That shit used to have me in stitches. Like I would rewind that part. I thought it was so funny. And I don't know why, because it's, uh, it's very unfortunate that he's his character is just trying to help and gets taken out in the manner that he does. Mm -hmm. But the sequencing of events and the like, sheer relief <laughs> that she has when she feels his hand she's like oh thank god <laughs> that's the only reason i remember samuel jackson is in this movie is because of his severed arm on laura dern's shoulder and what's funny too is i remember that part like i remember the hand yeah. part i just didn't remember who that hand was attached to <laughs> it belonged <laughs> Um, the only thing that would have made that better is if it still had a like smoking cigarette, cigarette. <laughs> yeah lit in, in it just yeah like, just so you know i went out like a fucking g <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i ain't go out like no punk to these velociraptors <laughs> no sir oh god uh good that's that's good stuff but <laughs> Let's go. Let's go back a little bit and, and break this movie down from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Roshane. What's up? What's in your notebook? All right. Well, the first note I got here is um, written phonetically. Um, it is shoot her. <laughs> written just like that. Shoot her. Um, I, I hate shots of just people's mouths. <laughs> oh yeah, I you know you told me about this. I yeah. didn't know this about you. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of shots of just people's mouths, and we to across the board throughout this movie, we get some very dramatic shots. Mm -hmm. Lots of reactions, lots of eyes, lots of quick turns to the camera. But this is our first introduction to it. It's just a shot of his mouth as he's screaming shoot her and i hate it <laughs> it's not fun but i do actually i really like the opening to this um mm -hmm. just because i do think it sends up it sends up i think it sets up the tension of like the atmosphere of jurassic park yeah. very well um just the sh the shot of like the moving trees and just the sound and just knowing that something is like out there that you can't quite see but is always kind of approaching you i feel like a lot of the fear of jurassic park is that mm -hmm. and so i do love that the movie starts off that way yeah definitely this the opening sequence i think is just kind of encompasses the issue that we'll find ourselves within this entire film which is humans in a and or these humans at least inability to except that they have no control over these animals, whether they think they do or not. Mm -hmm. Because we have a clear example of them believing that they are that they have done kind of the best they can do as far as safety precautions go and still failing and never really quite regaining that control, um, despite them ramping up all and using every kind of weapon that is available to them mm -hmm. and that's just something that will continue on throughout this movie is this idea that like there's nothing that you're dealing with creatures that 
are far more powerful and far more advanced than we would like to give them credit for. And there is nothing you can do to really prepare for the actions that they will take. And time and time again, we will see these characters kind of not accept that and then have to accept it when things go terribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, with this opening sequence, things do go um, terribly, horribly wrong. Um, And we get our first death very quick out of the window here. Um, You know, it's always a little bit of a sour taste that it's a brother. But I mean, for a movie this big, it's kind of also a notch on your belt, too, to be the first kill in Jurassic Park, I guess. Uh, But in terms of like treading that line or I guess tiptoeing that line that I was talking about before, I feel like this first sequence is a great example of that Mm -hmm. where like. If you took this and plopped it into some other instance or movie and then led into something else, you could probably fool somebody into thinking that they were watching the start of a horror film because it Mm -hmm. definitely plays out very similarly to one. Oh, yeah, it's horrific. The shadows, um, the the light, the very, very kind of... uh, muted lighting the way that the light kind of goes through the slits and you don't ever really see what's inside of the box but you just get glimpses of it and then this horrifying idea of we never really know what's happening to this man who's being pulled in but you know it's like you imagine what's going on but we only get to see so much which always makes it worse Mm because you can imagine so many worse things but yeah this is probably one of the more horror-esque shots and this is our opening and then it's like from there we go to this very (laughs) very bright kind of situations where we meet some of the characters that we're about to be spending time with Mm -hmm. and one thing that i did write down because it was just funny to me (laughs) is we jump to the introduction of alan and ellie but before we meet them we meet someone who's just talking about them and the guy goes oh he's never gonna come with you and he's like why and the guy says because he's like me he's a digger and i said bitch what he's a what (laughs) hold on (laughs) he's a who did i hear that correct (laughs) say that again say that again what a way to phrase it he's a digger (laughs) why would you say that about this man why would you say that I just Again, thought that was wild. Right that was wild to me. I've never paid attention. I've never. I don't even remember that scene in the movie. Oh my god! Not digger with the hard ER. <laughs> with oh, the no. <laughs> Not digger with the uh, the hard R. Why would you say that about him? <laughs> oh my gosh! I was like, that's wild. <laughs> with your whole chest holding mm-hmm. a, holding up Amber while you're saying it. <laughs> That was crazy to me. But um, we also meet... (laughs) We also meet uh, Nedry in this opening sequence. And he is having the time of his life. Yeah, he He really is. Is yucking it up (laughs) while talking about, like, (laughs) espionage. (laughs) You shouldn't use my name. Dodgson. Dodson, we've got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. 
Nice hat. You're trying to look like a secret agent. Seven fifty. On delivery, fifty thousand more for each viable embryo. That's one point five million if you get all fifteen species off the island. Oh, I'll get them all. Remember, viable embryos. They're no use to us if they don't survive. Oh, how am I supposed to transport them? The bottom screws open. It's great. Oh, you guys. It's cool to compartmentalize inside. You guys, oh, that's great. Customs can even check it if they want to. Let me see. Go on. Oh. There's enough coolant inside for 36 hours. No menthol? The, em the embryos have to be back here in San Jose by then. And that's up to your guy on the boat. 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the East Dock. Make sure he gets it right. How are you planning to beat security? Oh, I've got an 18-minute window. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Gracias, señor. Don't get cheap on me, Dodson. That was Hammond's mistake. I I will never understand why Dennis thought that he could pull off the plan <laughs> that he was trying to pull off. Like when we get there later in the film and he's actually trying to execute this plan, he looks good for a solid five minutes of it, and then it just goes all the way to shit. It's a wild. It's a wild plan. I mean. The thing about it is the whole the whole actual heist itself was not bad. You know, he he did what needed to be done when he was actually stealing the samples, the embryos. Mm -hmm. so I was like, "Okay, you did you did that. Cool, cool, cool." It's the um it's the rest of it for me. It's the I mean, I understand that he had to bring the security down so that he could go through all of the doors, you know, undetected. Yeah. But that's a wild, wild, wild idea. And you're really putting some hope in the fact that these dinosaurs are just going to stay out of your way. And not do anything. Yeah. Like, especially when we get to him, like, driving through and, like, walking through the jungle <laughs> parts of Jurassic Park. You know what's out there, my guy. Yeah. Like, you work here. You have right. seen these things from birth. And yet, still, you are having no precautions about just blindly going into the forest. I literally mean blindly because you don't have your glasses on. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I mean, I could talk shit about Dennis, but I kind of love Dennis. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, I thought I thought I was going to dislike Dennis this time around. Like, when mm -hmm. we got his introduction scene, I was like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to stand you. But, like, the more time I spend with him, I just, his antics, I don't know. They were cute to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's got the clumsy, charming thing going for him. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I kind of like the back and forth between him and Dr. Hammond, which is something that I I think as I was younger was something that I never picked up on. But this whole, like, he is the main computer guy keeping this place literally running, it seems like. And this whole reason why he's doing the stuff that he's doing is, like, he's being underpaid and mistreated. Yeah. Which, as an adult can sympathize and understand that a little bit more, um, especially mm -hmm. after seeing the fallout of what happens when he is not around and how much this park literally cannot run without him. Run without him, yes. I yes. sympathize a little bit there. Well, I don't sympathize with the man, but what I will say is, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, this I feel like this is the first time that I've ever really paid attention to all of this extra breakdown and all of these extra 
work dynamics because I feel like for me, this movie most of the time really starts. I've seen this movie a lot. And so now I feel like I get into this mode where I kind of don't pay attention to the first half. And Mm -hmm. then when the from the T-Rex attack on is where I'm like locked and loaded. And so I feel like a lot of times I kind of don't notice some of the more intricacies of these characters. But one thing that I really paid attention to this time is that, yes, like Dennis is is very much a villain in this. Like Mm -hmm. everything that happens is completely his fault. But I will say that I do think something like this was inevitable because of Hammond's approach to things. And it's so interesting because multiple times throughout this movie, Hammond's like, oh, I spared no expense. I spared no expense, blah, 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 blah. And it feels like that's true to a certain regard. But I feel like the things that were really, really important, he has kind of let fall through the cracks, such as security um, and protocols. There's no protocols in place. Um, Our security team doesn't seem totally well equipped to handle these animals just in case something does pop off. Yeah, well, um, it's, a, it's a single guy, so it kind of makes sense. Right. <laughs> it's the one man for the whole park. Uh, presumably, he maybe has a couple people working with him, but we don't get to see those guys. Uh, we just have to assume that they are, in fact, employed there. Um, but the biggest, biggest thing that it feels like he lets fall through the cracks is having one tech guy who is completely in charge of the entire park and who without the park absolutely cannot function. I mean, that is wild behavior to say all of the safety and the lifeline of this park rests within Nedry's dusty little fingers. (laughs) And like, especially because you know that this is an employee that you have who is feels underpaid who feels overworked who feels underappreciated and who's not happy you consistently get in arguments with this man about it and yet you give him the whole world in his hands and say oh god i hope you don't drop that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because if you do everything's fucked and like that's what happens is once he's gone they're screwed they've got nothing also There should be multiple people that like a full security shutdown should have to be approved by multiple people. The fact that he can just press Press the space bar on his computer and it says, "Okay, yeah, we'll shut everything down. And he's the only one who has to do that is crazy. The fact that there's not multiple scientists who all have to like swipe a key card or give some kind of go ahead for that to happen. Bro. What are you, what's going on? Why is there, why did you spend so much money on cake buffets mm-hmm. for for five guests? <laughs> and yet you only hired one guy to do all of the IT for this park. Look, big, big business, let this be a lesson to you, all right? Take Jurassic Park as a, as a keen warning that you better be treating your tech department correct. Or you might get eaten by a T-Rex. You never know. You never know. I'm saying something and like, uh, and Hammond. 
Hammond, truly, <laughs> <laughs> truly someone must have sat you down at some point and said, but it, but that's the whole thing is it seems like part of the reason that he hired Nedry is because he maybe knew he could get away with some things that he maybe wouldn't have with other employees or scientists yeah. or what have you because he, and it's, like I said, it's like it's a, they have a very strange relationship because it's um, already antagonistic by the time that we jump in. Mm-hmm. Like they are already getting into an argument, and I'm just thinking, Hammond, perhaps I wouldn't be call I wouldn't be saying that kind of shit if I knew that man held my whole park in his hands. Personally, truly, yeah, but it's one of those things where he's like, I mean, I'm employing him, and you know, yeah. he's probably been here for so long that like. They've got this, you know, they've got these beef with each other, but they've probably been beefing like this for God knows how long, you know. Yeah. It's just, of course, we as the audience, we come in on the day where he's finally had enough and has decided to, you know, sell out the entire company. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, although I kind of sort of see where Dennis is coming from, like, you are correct. This entire thing is his fault. Mm. Um, And even in his introduction sequence, we can tell that, He's kind of that guy that, like, you don't really want to spend large amounts of time with in general because mm-hmm. he's kind of a menace. Um, yeah. Oh, Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace. Truly. A hundred percent. Though I'd say he is a secondary menace because um, truly the biggest menace of this film is the Raptors, in my opinion. And I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot yeah. how much of a menace those dinosaurs were. Yeah, the raptors are on demon time. And it's crazy because because of how wild the raptors are, it makes the T-Rex become the hero of the story by the end it of it. It does. It's, which That's so weird because I feel like, at least for me, and I think a couple other people, like when you think of Jurassic Park and like this whole like dinosaurs and like who's the king of the jungle like you always think of the t-rex and like when i think about jurassic park even seeing the logo plastered places um you know the t-rex is always at the forefront of things uh, but i feel like when you go back and watch these it's really the velociraptors that are out here fucking shit up half the time mm-hmm. yeah it, it, the t-rex always gets its moment but mm-hmm. it's the smaller dinosaurs that end up really being kind of the the big issues for a lot of our characters. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, T-Rex is just trying to mind, mind the money that makes, T- makes T-Rex it. T-Rex out like, here just doing T-Rex things. Like, really? On T-Rex time. That's what, <laughs> like, the T-Rex is, of course, intrigued by what is going on, but it's got better shit to do. It could eat anything in anybody. Exactly. So it doesn't have to be focused on these humans. Whereas the raptors are very clever very much they they give off very much i'm a fuck with you because i can energy in this movie because they didn't even need they honestly don't need to be doing everything that they do in this film it just feels like they kind of want to mess with the humans Mm -hmm. like because they are on their asses like they don't even (laughs) really need to be doing this but they are on like following them around stalking them through Mm -hmm. all of these different areas and then they're really they're willing to scrap with the t-rex by the time the (laughs) movie is over because they've just been kind of trying to fuck around and find out the whole time but we do find out early on that these raptors are 
I mean, they're they are the one threat throughout the movie that I feel like multiple times, multiple characters talk about how aggressive they are, yeah. how clever they are, how they'll trick you, how they'll work together. And so it's interesting because I feel like even we never hear that about the T-Rex. They don't ever say shit like no. there's never a conversation like that. The Raptors are really built up to be the big bads of this film. And then it's like you don't even get to really see them until like an hour and a half into the movies when they're finally freed because even when the systems go down it's so funny because all of these dinosaurs are free now and everyone's just like oh, thank god the raptors are still trapped <laughs> yeah <laughs> no nah, like they they really are set up like you're right they're set up mm -hmm. to be the villains and um it's just it's one of those interesting things that at least for me i forget sometimes uh, how big of a role they truly do play in things. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, I chalk a lot of that up to just how iconic though the T-Rex scene is in general. Like, I feel like when the yeah. T-Rex finally arrives, we got like the rain pouring and you got, you know, the roar that every 90s kid who ex exists knows that roar and can fucking identify it on cue. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think because that was such a big deal, it kind of dwarfed how much the Raptors did. But for me, going yeah. back now on this watch, uh, I definitely had some respect up there for these hunters, uh, these absolute menaces to society. Uh, the Velociraptors were not taking anybody's shit and they were not putting up with any shit. And mm -hmm. I kind of respect it. I actually, I really do. I respect it, you know, but if I think if I had to choose, I'd rather be killed by the T-Rex. Yeah, I feel like that'd be quicker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> much, much quicker. Um, yeah. and we even hear that through our, our, uh, our, one of our main protagonists, uh, Dr. Grant, um, as he gives a very thorough speech in how raptors hunt to a very young, maybe smart mouthed kid. But, um, I still wrote that in my notes. Um, you sure showed that young child, Dr. Grant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you sure ruined that young child's perspective on dinosaurs, but Hey, <laughs> That's what he was there for. I do think it's kind of funny that the kid says that it looks like a six foot turkey because where <laughs> I, I that did not look like a turkey at all to me. But they talk a lot in this movie about the connection between birds and dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And so they make a lot of references to how similar dinosaurs skeletons are to birds. Right. Um, so I think maybe that was why he said something like that. But. I just thought it was a strange comment. Uh, I was like, child. Also, who, who are you with? Yeah, Why are you? <laughs> You're the only kid here. Where, where did you come from? Um, but I, that goes into our, our characters a little bit. I guess we can start with, with Dr. Grant because at the end of the day, this is really an ensemble movie. It is. But I will say Dr. Grant and, and um, Ellie are probably our main our biggest main characters if you're gonna have them and i would say probably that um dr grant is kind of pushed up to being our hero which gets continued on because you know he comes back later on mm -hmm. in the series <clears throat> but i like him as a character <laughs> a lot i think that i think dr grant is 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 cool i like how like how much i i always forget this until i rewatch it he's very much a growler like he mumbles under his 
breath a lot and speaks very lowly mm-hmm. and like grumbles through his words. And I hey, feel like hey, what they, you what you trying to say, Erica? What you trying to say about grumblers? You gonna sit here and tell me he didn't grumble? <laughs> I'm messing with you. Continue. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with it. It's just it's just a character trait that I think kind of leans into his very much. He's just about his business. I, he, mm-hmm. you know, he like he's he's passionate about what he's passionate about, and he's very focused on that. And all of the extra stuff is just that. It's extra stuff that he's not really given attention to. But what I think I like they did with his character is that because he's so passionate about dinosaurs, it's kind of fun to see him become this almost like child. That have this childlike wonder seeing all of these things that he's only ever dreamed about. And it's like such a shift from the type of character that he is. And so I don't know. I kind of like how we get two sides of this person mm-hmm. to like very different sides of this person that kind of battle throughout because I, I feel like even when things start to go wrong, that still continues. Like he still has this almost excitement every time he sees these creatures that he's been studying for his whole life and has never seen in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, I don't know. I think once you start to get into the later half where he is really built up to be that hero and he has to more of these like adventure moments what I will say I appreciate about him is he never becomes too out of his wheelhouse. Everything that he is able to do, I believe that he would be able to do. It's not like all of a sudden he's like this crazy Rambo guy. Like mm-hmm. he, there's only still so much he can do. Like he's yeah. he's still just a guy who's like a scientist. Like he's yeah, he's he a knows paleontologist. about That's he's it. A paleontologist. <laughs> like yeah, he knows about dinosaurs, but he's never had to battle one on one with a dinosaur. <laughs> so I like that even though he's equipped to deal with these situations, he still is kind of flying by the skin of his teeth and i feel like that's very clear in the way that he approaches a lot of situations and i like the whole situation with the kids like mm-hmm. from the beginning he's very clear about not liking kids they're not his thing although we get to see him form a relationship with um tim and lex I don't I feel like what they did with it was just enough where it didn't go into like corny like we are family territory. But I just feel like it was more so that because he had to be there for them and protect them, you could tell that he just like had a new kind of respect for them and Mm -hmm. kind of saw them more as people and not just as kids. That's the thing is I feel like by the end of it, he saw them more as like equals and like. Because they help him just as much as he helps them in the beginning. Like, they come through for him a little bit later on. And so I feel like it was just more so he didn't just see them as annoying kids anymore. But at the end, he saw them as like, okay, you guys are cool. Like, you're people too. You're not just kids. Like, you have autonomy and thoughts and (laughs) and lives. (laughs) No, that's true. Uh, Though, granted, they did fuck up during the car sequence, though. During the T-Rex set, uh, Lex, girl... You and that flashlight needed to go. Yeah, Mo- yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a big, it's a big goof on her part. Yeah, but I don't honestly falter. Like I, I side eye her for that choice, but she is just a kid, mm-hmm. and there is a giant, giant T Rex approaching her car. 
I would not be doing the smartest things too during that moment. Right. So I fully understand. Because listen, the way that I probably <laughs> would have tried to run to their car and immediately <laughs> been eaten. Because yeah, I think the I especially because although it pisses me off every time, I think they play it off well because Lex is not the dinosaur expert. She no. does not know that that is going to attract their attention. And she's trying to get their attention. There's no communication between the cars. Yeah. And she's trying to let them know that they need help because the one adult that they did have has completely abandoned them. <laughs> that part <laughs> makes me laugh every time. <laughs> the way that the way that man captured fuck them kids. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> he said, these ain't my kids. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care about these kids. These are not my kids. He was I don't born. give a damn about these kids and probably goes and runs into a public restroom. Like that's going to be the safer option that's... than your armored car. But... And that's what I was going to ask you. The bathroom <laughs> does not seem like the better option. I guess it's good because it doesn't know you're there. But... I feel like if you're just going to hide inside of something else, why not be inside of the car? Though <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> so that bathroom death, that lives in my brain rent free. Yes. And that's one of those deaths that I saw when I was younger has not left my psyche because it Same. is even for PG-13 pretty damn gruesome. Yeah, that is also one that has haunted my dreams because it's it's seeing him still be alive and flailing around in the T-Rex's mouth. Mm -hmm. That was always very troubling to me. Yeah. Um, but as of those two coming back to our protagonist here uh, with Dr. Sattler, um, I actually. So here's the thing. I feel like Laura Dern does a lot with this role like there's mm -hmm. a lot of sequences with her doing the absolute most but i actually do think it's for the betterment of the film because it just adds this energy to all of her scenes that i actually really like dude to me laura dern is that bitch i just love <laughs> i just love laura dern i think she's so good in everything that she's in and i think she is so good in this mm -hmm. i like ellie a lot i love that she is also about her business and like but i i think that she's fun because she's also very very intelligent she knows a lot about what she's like everything that's going on she's just as educated about as the scientists who are there um and she is but she like i i appreciate that they made her the type of character who can be resourceful and who does not need people there to kind of help her through like she mm -hmm. is fine on her own she can get her shit done and she's not afraid to be the first one to be like i'm gonna do it because we don't somebody's got to do it so i guess i'm gonna do it um i appreciate that about her and i like that they made her very proactive she's very much a go-getter and i like that even though she's not connected to um alan and the kids that they they were able to still allow her to have her own like journey that she's mm -hmm. going on on the other side of things because i do think that they could have very much had it where it's like okay well now ellie and them are safe inside and now they're not really doing much, but they are. Yeah, the entire time. And mm -hmm. I think it was a very smart plotting choice to actually split up the two doctors yeah. to have them not be together for most of the film. Because, yeah, it does 
create more of that ensemble energy because now you're following multiple people with these multiple stories, although they're still kind of going in the same direction. So it doesn't feel like you're like being taken away from anything. It just feels like you're getting to see different sides of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And another thing I like about Ellie, too, I like how light she is like I like how fun and energetic she is and how she also has this zest for life and gets excited about things just in a slightly different way than Alan. And I also appreciate that they are a couple, but they are I feel like they're a different type of couple than what is usually presented on screen. Mm -hmm. Like this to me, feels very realistic in the sense of they can be a couple and not have to be like making very, out every very two seconds. Very forward presenting about that. Yeah. It's like you you don't even really real you're kind of like Malcolm in the in the sense that you kind of get the sense that there's more to their relationship, mm-hmm. but you don't really know what exactly it is until you get confirmation, which makes a lot of sense to me as people who are trying to be respected and taken seriously in their field who work together. It's like, yeah, of course they're not going to be like holding hands and rubbing up on each other all the time like they're here for work <laughs> like this is business <laughs> um but speaking of malcolm mm-hmm. first of all i think around this time jeff goldblum perhaps had it in his contract that he could only have three buttons buttoned on his shirt at all <laughs> no times shirt. no shirt will be fully buttoned around here never absolutely not no shirt will be buttoned to the top we have to keep that clavicle exposed at all times <laughs> Um, oh, I also forget that that shot that that the, like the meme, the yep. meme is from this movie of him. Why is he sitting like that in the first place? I mean, so sweaty. Everyone knew. <laughs> Everyone knew what was going on there because, like, I remember that that scene is in this movie. Yeah, but I honestly forget the context of it sometimes. And the fact of the matter is, my man's is injured and can't walk. The thing about it, though, is that's not even context because, like, <laughs> even if he wasn't injured, like, you, it, that's not even important because the way he's sitting has nothing to do with his injury. <laughs> he is just propped up on the side, top unbuttoned, sweat glistening, staring straight ahead, not even involved in the conversation, just chilling and, like, it's just, I think it's the, it's the <laughs> juxtaposition of everyone else just doing really normal shit. And then yeah. you cut to Malcolm. <laughs> He's just doing yes. his fucking GQ pose. Yes. <laughs> it's just so different. On one half of it, it's like we have this serious conversation where they're trying to figure out what they're going to do now that all the systems are down. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out if Alan and the kids are alive. On the other hand, you have Malcolm, who looks like he should have a rose in his mouth, a champagne <laughs> of glass in his hand, and Barry White playing in the background. And it's so different. And it just doesn't even look like it should be in the same room. And I love every <laughs> second of it. It's look, I'm gonna go out and say it. I feel like <laughs> although this film is fantastic and the ensemble is great, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot less fun without Malcolm there. He just his what he asked the dynamic is just that drop of whatever they needed that i feel like really completes that groove because it's so funny because malcolm's whole thing is like the chaos theory and that's exactly what i feel like his character brings is chaos it's like (laughs) that is exactly what his character represents because he is just so wild and out of left field played perfectly by jeff goldblum couldn't imagine anybody else playing this character (laughs) but i mean it's so funny because 
his character feels so kind of wild and manic at times, but he is the one person who very clearly sees what's going on here and sees that it's going to be bad. And yeah. he's right. Like basically everything that he says <laughs> is right. He ends up being right about the, um, about life finding a way and how they're so certain that every, every dinosaur is only going to be able to be female, despite the fact that it happens in nature a lot where, um, animals can, uh, either spontaneously change their sex or, um, be like, hermaphrodites where they can like impregnate themselves like that happens in nature all the time when they have to adapt Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's not wild that he thinks that that would happen and he was right he also talks a lot about how the fact that you can't control it like earth kind of righted itself and and getting rid of the dinosaurs and now we're bringing them back and we never asked if maybe man and dinosaurs should never exist at the, in the, in same, the same time place. in the same place. And also uh, how you can't control them. Like there's nothing we can do that can account for what they are going to do. So there's nothing we can do that can control that. <laughs> Gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the part of the animal. Don't let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may. Um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it well. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Yeah. And he's right on all counts. And I'm sure maybe that's why he was sitting there like that, because he was like, bitch, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> I said this from scene three. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> Didn't I say 90 minutes ago <laughs> this shit was going to happen? And now look at you. Sad. <laughs> Unsweaty. <Yeah. laughs> buttons buttoned all the way to your neck. <laughs> your nerdy looking ass. <laughs> but no, you're like you're right. You're right in that he is right. And I think those things in combination are what like give a little bit more validity to that character. Because otherwise he yeah. just kind of serves as comic relief. But the thing is like a lot of the things that he touches on are actually very important and mm-hmm. are um, topical to this whole reason why they're there. Because, you know, they're there to assure the investors that this place is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and within 10 minutes of being there, although <laughs> they are absolutely enthralled by the idea that they are seeing living, breathing dinosaurs, 
basically everybody's like, no, nah, this shit's dangerous. Yeah. This absolutely is not a good idea. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. Um, also, too, Jeff Goldblum's character, I love Jeff Goldblum, but Malcolm is kind of a creep. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember him being quite so forward with Ellie, but he really is. I, I he's a lot. He, he is like, a lot. He he grabs her hair at one point and like pulls it through her her his fingers while he's talking to her. It, it ekes me out. Like <laughs> it's quite icky, and he like grabs her hand a lot when he's talking to her. Yeah. Um. And was a, I feel like there was a time where that kind of charm was in, but it is not. Yeah. Does not read the same way these days. It doesn't. And like <laughs> I said, he he pulls it off to a certain degree, but it's definitely a bit much when you when you real like, especially because it just happens. It's so much of it happens in that one scene mm-hmm. where he's explaining chaos, explaining chaos theory to her. It happens like back to back to back. Yeah, and it's just a lot. Um, but I do, I do think that. Like the scene itself is what he's saying and like what he's explaining and stuff. I'm like, that all is great. Like, I do think that scene itself is interesting. Mm -hmm. And and I and I I think that that is definitely like helps you understand another aspect of his character and the way that he's being towards Ellie, because I definitely it. I mean, Hammond even says it earlier. He calls him a rock star because it's Mm. very obvious that like Malcolm is maybe more of a. He's, he's just a little cool bit. Guy, he's the cool know? scientist who probably does get a lot of girls, and so I feel like it helps you kind of read into who he is as a person a little bit more. But it's just so weird <laughs> in the context, especially when you do find out that Alan and Ellie are a thing. Yeah. That you're like, oh, I know. I mean, Alan's not even fucking paying attention because he was trying to watch the dinosaurs, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But and so yeah, you're right. Like they're there to figure out if this place is safe. What better way to do that than to bring in kids and see, mm-hmm. like, what? I mean, I, I like, I understand because they do say so earlier on, they make this comment about how Hammond's daughter is going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why he has his grandkids is probably in a, almost a way of like, hey, just come stay with me yeah. while this is all happening. And it just so happens to coincide with this visit. And also he is trying to market it towards families. So it does make sense that he'd want to see how kids react. Mm-hmm. But considering that the whole point of this trip is safety is it's a bit much to say, let's put my grandkids into the mix and see how that goes as well. <laughs> right. No, it's it's definitely on the wilder side of things. Um, but I guess I tend to forget the situation for Hammond as well here, because like mm-hmm. when he we when he first gets introduced, he's very much introduced as this wealthy guy that like his money buys him everything and like he's probably got, you know, everything catered. He's good, he's solid. But when we actually get into the meat of the story, we do kind of realize that, like, if he doesn't have a good tour here, this yeah. whole operation could get shut down. Like, he's doing some amazing things with his scientists and his money, for sure. But it's not all his money. And it's not all, like, it's not something that he can just do on his own. So his situation, there is some urgency to things because, like, he does need this to go well. Um, which I think could bleed into why he'd be okay with having his grandkids be a part of this, because I'm sure in his mind, 
they have done everything right in that this tour will go off without a hitch yeah. and it is very safe. Like I do genuinely believe that of his character because he, although he puts these characters in a less than ideal situation from the little moments that we get of character development with him, we see that this is a man who one loves both of those grandkids very, very much. He does actually mm -hmm. care about them a lot. And we also see a guy who is enamored with this idea of creating attractions, not only for, you know, the rich and wealthy, but for the entire family. Like, that's something that he's just passionate about. I'm talking about people yeah. that have passions for things. Like, that is his passion. Like, giving, giving awe and wonder to large groups of people. That's what he wants to do. And I do think yeah. that he truly believes that's what Jurassic Park will be. It will be this amazing thing that you've never seen before, this experience of a lifetime. It just happens to go really, really bad on that first tour. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that. I think that Hammond is a character who goes through a lot of different realizations throughout this film because I do agree. I think that the start of this was really very much trying to build a place that would bring yeah like awe and wonder to people and have it be real have it not be an illusion but have it be something that is actually happening actually like a tangible thing that people can touch and see and feel and have that change people's lives because it seems like that's kind of what he's built this his dream and his career off of and I think somewhere along the way that got lost for him a little bit because you do see that he gets so stuck on the idea of what it could be that it's like he won't accept what it is. And That's like fair. in the like even still with everything going wrong, he's like, oh, OK, well, Nedry was the problem. We're going to move on. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to go forward. Like he still wants to move forward with this idea halfway through the movie. By the end of it, he's done. But there is a point there halfway through where he's still like pretty stuck on it. And of course, financial is always going to play a role because I'm sure he has spent a lot of money in this and would like that to come back. But I do think that there is still a part of him that is like still so stuck on the dream that and so like wild about and so stuck on like what they've done so far and like almost getting like that mad scientist like but everything else is going so well. It's just a weird hiccup. We can work through this, especially now that he has created so many dinosaurs, grown these dinosaurs, been there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a part of him that's not ready to let that go, even though that is way more dangerous to people that he loves. These mm -hmm. dinosaurs are not your kids. Like you can't, you can't right. control them. And so I do think that there is though, I, I feel like we do get to see him go on that journey though of, of, of moving past that mm -hmm. and realizing that sometimes it's just not worth the risk, which I like because I do think that there is a little bit of a mad scientist in there, but I appreciate that it's not, that's not all that Hammond is, Yeah. Um, which I do think is different from the book. I was reading a little bit and it seems like in the book, Hammond is more, more of the antagonist okay. than, and they changed his, his character pretty severely for the movie, which I like because I do think that there's so much going on that I, 
I think also having that element would have been a bit much. Mm-hmm. And like because like you said, I do think it's clear that he does love his grandkids and they love him. And I, I, I think that that relationship kind of battling against his other feelings is much more it's it's funner to watch play out in real time than if he was just completely like fuck them kids like let's <laughs> do it let's keep, yeah keep, keep, let's keep going um so yeah i do think that there is a journey that he goes on and i like seeing that journey and like and i do think especially like when ellie and alan get there you do kind of see it in his in the way that he like watches them react to everything. You can I feel like you do kind of see the that feeling of like, okay, yeah, he loves he loves that they're so in awe of this and like not in a bad way. In a way that is you can tell that he's like, Oh, this could this is what I wanted. Like this mm-hmm. could really work. This is what I was imagining. Um, which yeah, it's like I, I understand why that is so important to him especially after seeing their reactions i can understand why he would be like oh this shit's gonna work Mm -hmm. even though it's definitely not going to work (laughs) that's true but i mean like it's it's understandable in the sense of like gotta go back to the main scope of this right and the Mm -hmm. idea that somebody out there brought dinosaurs back and like to the thought of walking into a park zoo whatever and seeing a living breathing dinosaur in all of its glory insane like an insane thought concept idea and so there's there is a part of me that understands that battle in hammond of like he needs to care about the safety of the people who are on this island right but just like the sheer magnitude of this discovery like what that means not only for him but just for society in general right and like Mm -hmm. this technology i i get that but i agree i like that in the movie version we get this man who has these different sides to him and we like you said get to see these bat these sides battle with each other um as we watch this character's journey which i think across the board like all this ensemble have great journeys even the kids which i love their Mm -hmm. performances i think that they really add a lot um, especially in all of the sequences where they are being attacked. I think that they handle fear very well yeah. and they give a lot of different layers to it. And just a lot of the shenanigans they get into is awesome. Uh, one of my mm-hmm. favorite parts is in the kitchen when they're getting attacked by the Raptors and Lex does the fake out with the yeah. like mirror. I love that sequence. It's so good. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like their reactions to things. And I agree. I think that their reactions to things feel like reads very real. Um, And there's two moments that I always think are just such good reactions. And one of them is when Alan pretends to get electrocuted. Mm -hmm. And but it's so he they cut to a reaction of the kids. And and Tim is like, hiding like behind his arms because he's like he doesn't want to watch what's happening and i just think that's so (laughs) real you know because i don't know just the idea of like not even being able to process what's happening just wanting to hide Mm -hmm. i just thought that that was just a really great reaction and then of course after everything happens with the t-rex and and lex is is like he left us he left (laughs) us like still like but she's still so stuck in this idea of like the person that you rely on 
not being there to protect you and like how that's the one thing that's still like playing in her mind is just this moment of him leaving not even all of the stuff that just happened it's like the fact that the grown-up straight up yeah the grown-up abandoned them which i don't know also i think just feels really real of of thinking that okay well as long as there's a grown-up here i'll be safe Mm -hmm. and they're not there and then kind of having to rely on yourselves to handle the situation which i think also plays into this idea of yeah, I think as the movie goes on, they also become more kind of rela- like self-reliant in a way because you have this moment later with the Raptors where it's just Tim and Lex and they do it like they, they, they get out of that situation without any adults there to help them. And I don't think that they would have been able to do that, especially not Lex. I don't think she would have been able to do like have the confidence to do any of that 90 minutes prior in the film because yeah i even that thing yeah the fake out ain't no way she would have done that shit earlier like she would have been like tim nah tim it's been a fun ride but (laughs) it's it's up to you now baby she was not built like that back then absolutely Mm -hmm. not um absolutely not nah but yeah across the board all these characters are great which i think is like a big plus for this film and it really Mm -hmm. makes although it is a longer film film is the spielberg but like it doesn't feel that way and i think a lot of that is in part to just these characters are very fun to watch and spend time with so i think the time just kind of you know zooms by um Mm -hmm. but i I feel like it would be a disservice to talk about characters and not talk about the dinos a little bit um because the dinosaurs do have characters especially the raptors give them a lot of love this episode but like they clearly have personalities um that just default to menace clearly mm-hmm. um yeah but all of the dinosaurs across the board are gorgeous um the mix of practical animatronics and cg so so well done like mm-hmm. even even the even the technology that feels dated now and even some of the cg that feels dated now still looks good and that's something that i will yeah. never take away from jurassic park the visuals of this film are absolutely stunning are insane and so i found this like uh it's like 25 minute little behind the scenes thing on youtube where they were talking about some of the effects that they did Mm -hmm. and originally it was going to be a combination of puppets and stop motion Mm. and so that was the plan for like the whole pre-production that was the plan and then they found um uh they hired they ended up hiring this company that was like no we can do like we can do this cgi i think we can pull this off and they did some test like test runs where they did one of like raptors running through hawaii just to show like what it would look and steven spielberg agreed that it looked insane and so they cut the stop motion they said we're not going to do stop motion anymore Mm -hmm. we're going to bring this and do cgi and then we're going to do the puppets Mm -hmm. which is like the raptors and the kitchen scene like that's puppet that's a mix of like puppetry and then the cg and then the um triceratops Mm -hmm. was like multiple people in the (laughs) inside of it like controlling (laughs) yeah the different things so but most of the time for the really big stuff, it was CGI. And then the actors would just be acting with like little X's that they would look up at and 
Steven Spielberg would talk them through how to react, mm-hmm. which also this is a little bit off, but there's also a funny thing where they show Steven Spielberg making the dinosaur noises that everybody has to react to. And he's like, <laughs> like just making noises off screen into like a megaphone. And then they're all just having to react to it. I would have been dying. I don't know how they kept a straight face. I would have been dead. I mean, um, real quick though, in the realm of that, there is one shot with uh, Jeff Goldblum where he's running away from the T-Rex. that I feel uh-huh. like you can clock how much of that is him just reacting to something that's not there because yeah. the pace with which he is running does not match the pace with which that T-Rex is catching up yes. to him. Okay. <laughs> yes. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum runs at a leisurely pace in this film. He runs like he's like trying to be like, oh, hey, you forgot your you forgot your classes. Hold on. Like, that's how he's running. And then the T-Rex, who at one point they say clocked up to 35 miles per hour, is like slowly stepping behind him. And yeah it it is it is a little bit funny so yeah i agree i wonder if you maybe didn't know how quickly or how close the t-rex was gonna be um but so when they decided to go from stop motion like all those people that were going to be doing it thought that they were going to be out of a job because that was what they were going to be doing but what they ended up doing was they created a did machine which was a a dinosaur input device which was a stop motion armature. So it still like moved and everything, but it would input the movement from the armature into a digital device that would then turn it into the CGI. Like a rendering so, of that. Yes. Okay. So they could show what they wanted the movement to look like through stop motion. And then it would transform it into what the CGI movement would look like. And then they would go from there. So it was like they still got to use stop motion in a way. Mm -hmm. But it just obviously wasn't the final product wasn't stop motion. What a wild time to make movies from the 90s to like the (laughs) early 2000s when we're making that technological transition. Mm -hmm. It blows my mind the different like processes and like the amount of like evolution that had to happen just like on the fly during that time freaking wild but yeah then we get stuff like this where it's just like everything kind of melds beautifully and we get these creatures which feel for like nine i want to say like 99 percent of this film very lifelike very realistic Mm -hmm. um it's just like and that's that's super important for a film like this right like this isn't like one of your shark movies or your, you know, your alligator monster films where it's like you got one creature that you got to make sure it looks good to sell the effect. Like we need all of these dinosaurs to work and you need a a variety of dinosaurs too. Like if it was just a T-Rex, I don't think it would have the same weight that it does when you get to see all the different species and types. Um, So like it just plays a very pivotal role. And that's a scary thing. I think going into a film, knowing that making these, you know, creatures that are extinct come to life on screen is going to make or break this film. And I think though, with somebody like Spielberg, there's a lot of confidence there in his ability to do that. And, you know, it shows for good reason because it worked. Yeah. One, especially too, because you're talking about dinosaurs. So this is something where it's like we all know 
from, you know, pictures and stuff, what they maybe possibly could have looked like. But then you also have this ability to maybe still create your own thing, but you also have to find a balance, I feel mm-hmm. like. And so us as the audience too almost have to be in the same position as the characters where when we see these these dinosaurs, we have to be taken aback by like the sheer weight and height and force of them. And we almost also have to be like in awe of them. And their design has to be just as captivating to us as it has to be to the characters. Mm. And I think that they really succeeded at that. Oh, yeah. And making and like matching what I imagine a dinosaur would look like, but then also kind of surprising me by the fact that these dinosaurs are because I can I can in my head conceptualize, you know, what I how big I think a dinosaur would be or or what have you. But it's different when you see it in comparison to a person. Mm -hmm. And and that's what and so and you because of the techniques that they used, you can see these people like side by side with these dinosaurs and it looks good. And also, too, I think that whether we believe that this is real or not is one thing, but it's so important that the characters are seeing what they're meant to be seeing. Yeah. And besides that little Jeff Goldblum, that little, uh, <laughs> that little one, two step that he does away from the T-Rex for the most part, I, I truly always believe that these characters are seeing these dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I believe that they're reacting to him. I believe that they're running from them and I believe that they're scared of them. And I think that that is also like half, the battle is just getting us to believe that these characters are in these situations. And I think that one of the best things that they did is have that T-Rex sequence where we first have our first dinosaur attack. Having that be so good Mm -hmm. makes it where I believe every single dinosaur confrontation from that moment on because it looks so real. Like, I truly believe these kids are getting attacked by a T-Rex because it just mm. looks so good that I can't believe anything else, especially yeah. when the the T-Rex sticks its head through the top and the glass mm-hmm. and they're holding the glass as it's coming down. The way I used to reenact that scene in my bedroom, <laughs> right? I thought that shit was cool. I was like, this is this is it. This is everything. This is this peak is, cinema right here. This is here. Oscar-worthy. Oscar's 1993-worthy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, like every single time I watch this movie, no matter how long it's been, I feel like I'm just so immersed in these sequences but i feel like that's because they're so action-packed and they're they're so wonderfully choreographed and everything about them just feels so like choreographed but so chaotic at the same time so Mm -hmm. like when you think about it you're like oh they had to figure out every movement that this that this is gonna make but at the same time it feels so natural and like Mm -hmm. so just organic it's why it's wild yeah and like that's shout outs to everybody who's involved in the production right but Mm -hmm. then like also shout outs to the performances of having to you know act like these things are real like to present the idea that they're real because we feel that they're real in all of these sequences Mm -hmm. i think one of the key things is although these scenes are very frightening right and there's a lot happening there's a lot of chaos and everything um 
going slightly back again to like what slips us more into like the adventure and not mm-hmm. horror sequence is like there i think for me when it comes to horror um i go into most of those films not knowing who is safe right mm-hmm. but i feel like for adventure films like this you always kind of know who is who are the untouchables right like who are the people who are absolutely going to survive it through the film and i think that our core survivors are pretty much set up to the point where it's like even during these sequences it's crazy because like i'm still worried about them right Mm -hmm. and like i still feel tense because like there's just so much going on but in the back of my head i also know that they're not in danger because like nine out of ten times this character makes it out of the situation right um and i think that again is what brings this into the territory of more like an adventure film but i still give them credit though for crafting that tension even when i full well know that these characters aren't in any danger it still feels that way and i still want to see how they manage to get out of the sequence alive yeah this what i will appreciate about this movie and the especially with having kids be such a large part of it is it's the same thing that I appreciate about like Jumanji <laughs> mm-hmm. is that despite the fact that they're kids and despite the fact that they are kind of being protected maybe more in the situations than the other characters would just because they're dealing with adults. I like that the kids are not untouchable. Although we know that they will not die, they still get fucked up in this movie. And to be quite honest with you, by the end of this movie, Tim and Lex have maybe gotten the most hurt out of our, uh, besides Malcolm. But like when it comes to like Alan and Ellie and Hammond, Tim and Lex have been through a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that by the end of this movie, they've got wounds, they've got blood, they have been through the mud, literally. Mm-hmm. And they are not protected from that. So although we know they're never going they're they're going to survive this ordeal, it then just becomes, okay, what are they gonna have to go through to get to that survival? And Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I like when a movie isn't afraid to hurt them just because they're kids. Um, But it's, and like I said, though, it still keeps it light. It's like, it's worrisome and it's scary, but it never feels dark or like scarring that they're going through it. Um, There's always some kind of a something afterwards to make you feel okay about the situation. It's like, despite Tim getting blasted by 10,000 volts, He still has the time to be joking about it when he wakes up, which, you know, it's that's when you start to get into the more kind of (laughs) adventurous kind um, (laughs) side of things. Family movie. By the the way, we're a family movie. Don't worry, guys. It's a family movie. Everything's fine. Um, But I always I always appreciate that the kids go through it and they're not afraid to, to show that in this movie. I think, too, with the believability, one thing that also helps for me is kind of the science behind all of this. Um, Now, I didn't read the book because at the time when I was younger trying to read the book, it was a little too dense for me. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they do go into the science of things more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But going back to watching it this time, uh, I was paying attention for that. I was going to try and clock the explanation because I know that they do give an explanation of like, how the hell do we have dinosaurs again? And as far as movie science logic goes, I think it checks out pretty well. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, yeah, I I am no paleontologist, but the things that you have told me through this little um an or animated presentation, I could see dinosaurs coming back this way. This makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it tracks for me. I definitely think that that's that science is plausible mm -hmm. and. I definitely think that that's something that could potentially happen in the future if we really wanted to delve into that science. I don't think that that would be completely off base, especially what can be done now with like, uh, like, like cell splicing and, already, and gene so. splicing. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it definitely does not feel completely out of the realm of possibility. Exactly how they did it is probably not exactly the same way that it would happen, but I don't think that it's far different from what they would from the same methods that they would use. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, what the fuck? Kind of scary, <laughs> kind of stressful. Um, but I hope that I mean, like, there's always going to be a market for stuff, but I will say this to me just sounds like the exact sort of thing that. I would never want ever to do or to go to. I do appreciate too that in the movie they show kind of the flaws with doing something like this because it's it it's that zoo kind of thing where the animals are not going to be out and about ready for you to see them at all times. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> it's still, they're still animals. They're still going to be going about their lives. And so I love that when we do get the tour, the thing there. that's it's <laughs> going yeah none of the none of the dinosaurs are out and i like how it's like that's the thing that goes wrong at first is just mm -hmm. like the tour shows that this is not an infallible plan just because the dinosaurs are there does not mean that people are going to see them and unless that there is more to it than that what's going to make people excited about it? Because like, I assume they're not going to be able to just walk out and about like Ellie and Alan were <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I assume that the tour is the main attraction and plus maybe a few other things. But I do think that it was it that to me makes a lot of sense because yeah, that's how stuff like that works. Even when you go on safaris, there's no guarantee that you're going to see the animals that you want to see because like, they are animals living their lives. So yeah, if you're lucky, true. you're lucky, but you might not be. <laughs> um, but my last thing uh, that I want to to discuss is out of all of the deaths, mm -hmm. which one is your favorite? I know we discussed earlier the T-Rex one was like the one that was burned in our brains. Yeah. But I don't know if that means that it's like your favorite death. I mean, it is, but I will say that Dennis's is a very close second mm -hmm. because I always remember that scene of him getting <laughs> spit in the face yeah. and then tore up in the car. Um it's really funny because I feel like, as far as all of these scenes go, actually, I have seen his death the most. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what honestly inspired me to fully watch this movie for the first time. Mm. Because y'all know, if you grew up with cable TV, Jurassic Park was on all the freaking time. You could catch this movie like once a week if you really wanted to. And so I feel like I would always chime in right around the time when he crashes this car and I just always watch through the sequence with this very friendly dinosaur who then spits in his face and then eats his flesh. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I just think like his whole, that whole sequence to me is a lot of fun. So I'm going to give that one a very close second. Mm. I'm going to give Dennis my, my number one. Um, oh yeah yeah i just think this is this death to me is the one that i remember the most like although Mm -hmm. the t-rex one scared me the most when i was younger and was like burned into my brain i think i remember this one the most because of the just the like yeah like the spitting up of the acid in the face and then like it the dinosaur being in the car when he gets in the car um Mm -hmm. i always forget all this build up to it like i i don't i normally forget the whole conversation that he has with it. And I feel like this kind of ties into what you were saying about giving the dinosaurs personality is they kind of do these comedic moment type situations that I mm-hmm. feel like that dinosaur would have eaten him many moons ago. But for the... He's having some fun. He's having yeah. a good time. He's having a laugh. Um, but for the benefit of the tone of the movie, that's kind of stuff I feel like works really well. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about this death scene that just feels so prolonged in a way that and also because it's happening to Dennis, like the lawyer, he did a shitty thing, but I didn't I don't feel like he deserved to die like that. Whereas <laughs> Dennis, this is all your fault. So yeah, it, it's kind of to go. his death is more like fun for me just because it's him. And then I will give an honorable mention to it's not like my favorite death or anything, but I do just love the clever girl. Clever girl. <laughs> yeah, that's a good sequence too. I mean, the, that's kind of the funny thing though, is like, you're like, what are your favorite deaths? Well, there actually aren't that many, yeah. you know? Um, but all of them are great. And I think all of them are memorable. Mm-hmm. Even even Samuel L. Jackson's is memorable, <laughs> despite the fact that it happens off screen. Yeah. You still remember the arm. So it's mm-hmm. like there are still bits and pieces of all of them that feel very well constructed um, and give a lot of life to those sequences, which, True. again, just another notch on the reasons why this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. It's like it just does it does all of these things very well and it's very entertaining. And although it gets kind of gruesome and violent, it's still got the humor to it and mm-hmm. i think that that the way that it's done is very very palatable and it's one of those things where it's like th- that's what gives it that universal appeal where i'm like to this day i can still watch this film and enjoy it so much but i wouldn't bat an eyelash about like watching this with like a younger sibling or right. like watching with somebody's kids because i do feel like it still retains that family energy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, big family energy for this one. Might be a little bit spooky in some sequences. Might be a little bit troubling, but nothing that'll scar too bad. Yeah, it'll, it'll pass. Also, last thing, the score, of course. Oh yes, I such a thank treat. You. Such a treat. Yeah, it's so what, good. It's with so that epic. theme slaps <laughs> when you're when you're flying up to the island, mm-hmm. mm, send shivers every time. It's so epic, like. Just talk about a grand sweeping scale. <laughs> like I, I just think that this score it fits. This this ties into where it feel it fits into the adventure, mm-hmm. like fantastical vibe of the film. Just because we can't afford to probably put it in the episode, unless we do that cover by the um. The recorder. Oh yeah. It's like. 
Unless we can fit that in here and not get, <laughs> not get copyright claimed. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ooh. that's so good. Yeah. Uh, I had one more question, actually. This is, this is a real question I'm asking you because I can't think of an earlier version. The phrasing, if we don't move, it can't see us. Did that come from Jurassic Park? Where have you heard? Wait. <laughs> like just, just in general, the whole idea of like, all right, if you don't move, it can't see us. Just like that whole joke, that that saying, that phrase. I don't think I've ever heard that saying, like pre, like in anything predating yeah. Jurassic Park. Well, I wonder if maybe that was a paleontologist thing, though. Like this idea of with the T Rex, that like they can only see you if you move. Maybe I just feel like there are. I can't think of ex exact examples right now, but just like different creatures or like times mm. in like scary movie or horror where it's just like oh don't move and you'll be okay like that idea yeah. possibly this might be the this might be the first time it's been like used like widely maybe i it could be putting too much onto that but for some reason it like really stuck out when i was watching this time and he did that. i was like i don't remember the last time i've heard that so prominently said right in the script Oh, I don't know. Oh, also, speaking of thing questions, um, so Hammond, the actor that plays Hammond, um, mm -hmm. is British. And mm -hmm. I thought Hammond was British, mm -hmm. but Hammond is Scottish. Mm -hmm. And I feel like during the ice cream scene, the Scottish accent actually jumped out. <laughs> and it was like the only time that I heard it be so prominent. And then I swear for the rest of the movie, he's just like has a British accent. Um, mm -hmm. For anybody who's planning on rewatching this soon, let me know if you notice that. Because I it threw my ear off that <laughs> when he was talking about growing up in Scotland, all of a sudden this accent appeared <laughs> and was quite thick. And then I feel like for the rest of the movie, he's um he is British. Also, I saw an interview with Sam Neill where he says that his accent slips in and out during the movie because mm -hmm. I guess that Steven Spielberg originally told him to not, I guess he had been working on an accent and then Steven Spielberg told him to drop it. But then mm -hmm. halfway through shooting, told him to try a different accent. And so he says <laughs> that his accent changes throughout. But I didn't catch it. I'll be honest. I didn't catch it either. But I think it's because he's Mumbles McGee. And I think it's because <laughs> because of the way that he talks and because he's like so low. Um, mm -hmm. I think he it plays off. But there is one part where when he's telling uh, Lexi to grab the wire, his accent does come out. Mm, I heard it. Okay. I heard I'll it. I have there. to go back and listen to that one. Yeah. Um, also, in terms of last notes, um, after the T Rex takes down the Velociraptors and does the uh, triumphant roar, and we get the banner with the when oh, dinosaurs yeah. ruled the earth dropping down, I had just forgotten about that, and it's really cool. That's it's all. a cool That's my shot. Yeah. No, I would agree with you there. That's a it's a cool shot. I like that <laughs> shot a lot. I was like, okay, I see you. Yeah. Also, I love how they just run through the doors while that's happening. <laughs> like, I mean, what else do you do, right? That is the right the first action on my brain. I'm like, but all right, time to go. <laughs> it's just funny to me how it, it almost feels like, well, he can't fit through the door, so let's go through here. <laughs> it's like that's what it feels like because they just run True. through these little doors in comparison to him. Um, but yeah, or, or I'm sorry, her because the T-Rex is 
they're all they were all female, but yeah. there are some there are some males running around there now. True. Grant also refers to the T Rex as a him at one point. Very small nitpick. I can't remember mm. exactly where it is, but he does refer to it as a male. Okay, Grant. Grant. Hmm. Ellie would never. Ellie would put some <laughs> I was respect really on. Thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> She would never. <laughs> she would never. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it for Jurassic Park. True, um, true. I would I would vote to rate this out of clever girls myself. Oh, okay. Sure. It is, <laughs> this is kind of sort of your birthday pick, so why not? <laughs> also, I just want to say it like clever girls. Clever girls. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? I'll go first. Ooh, by all means, go ahead. I'm going to give Jurassic Park five out of five Clever Gales. Why did I say it? Clever Gales. Give us one more for editing here. Okay? <laughs> I said it like grew. Hold on. It's because I'm thinking of that baby. Baby Gale. Are you lost? <laughs> yeah. You lost baby Gale. <laughs> It. That's what I okay. thought when you said it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give Jurassic Park mm-hmm. five out of five clever girls. Hey, okay. Um, I don't know. Like, there's literally nothing I would change about this movie. I think this movie is fantastic. I enjoy it every single time I watch it. The story is so so good. I think the characters are really great. The effects are amazing. The score is iconic. And for a movie that's two hours, it does not feel like it. It Mm -hmm. moves at such a brisk pace, but I think that's just because it's so fun. It's just such a fun movie. It's got all of the action and adventure that I want from a story like this. And it moves. Like the story really, really moves and Every single moment of this movie feels earned, makes sense, and moves perfectly into the next section. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, nothing I change about it. Love this movie every time. And honestly, watching it this time just made me excited to watch it again in the future. So mm-hmm. five out of five, clever girls. Okay. All right. And you know, I'll be right there with you. I'm also going to give Jurassic Park five out of five clever girls. Um, I'll be honest. I actually went to this film trying to find reasons not to give it five out of five. <laughs> Deadass. That was my thought process going into this. <laughs> I was like, all right, I feel like it's a five. But maybe mm-hmm. now after seeing so many movies, I'll be able to like pick out this, that. And I'm going to find some esoteric reason to rate it lower nah there's nothing like i i freaking love this film it's a classic for a reason um i enjoy it every single time i watch it um the characters are great the adventure is great the atmosphere is great the shots are great everything's great like there's there's very little bad in this film and anything that i would consider bad is either a nitpick or i just like don't care because i like mm-hmm. the movie so much mm-hmm. um so yeah it's really honestly a very easy five out of five clever girls for me well there you have it that is jurassic park and homies what i would like to know is would you guys like to hear us rate any of the other jurassic parks i will say i haven't seen any of the new ones jurassic world and on i haven't seen any of those so you haven't seen any of pratt's world what 
no because i just <laughs> thought why <laughs> I just, why is this why are we still in the jurassic averse <laughs> i felt okay. like that chapter was closed but i would be open to watching them if the homies so wanted us to um so yeah let us know if you guys would like to cover any other jurassic parks slash jurassic worlds um you can let us know on our social media we have homies of horror on everything or if you prefer you can always email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com you can email us requests recommendations and business inquiries and like we said if you guys are listening to this on monday that means that we are streaming on twitch tonight um please come through say hello say what's up tell us your thoughts on jurassic park the link for that is in our social media bios in our social media bios you also find the link for our discord that is where we hang out with the homies all day every day of the week it's where we chit chat about horror but we also talk about other stuff and we also put like updates in there for different things that are coming up and links for the different things we've done so if you guys would like to come through there and hang out we'd love to see you and last but never least if you are so inclined we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a review you can do both on apple Podcasts. the more ratings and reviews we get the better recommends our show to more listeners and we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show so if you haven't done that and you have an apple account we'd love for you to or over on spotify you can leave us a rating on there as well just go to our name click the stars underneath and that'll rate the show for you but Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And thank you so much for going to Jurassic Park with us. We've enjoyed the trip with you, <laughs> homies. And we will be talking to you next time. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.